This message is presented to you by Pastor David Lambert and Exceed Life Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. For more information, visit ExceedLifeChurch.org. We're on a series this month on thankfulness. Thankfulness. And, uh, you know, uh, the title of it is The Power of Thankfulness Part 2. And, uh, you know, I really believe thankfulness is the connection to God's grace in our life. How many people need more grace? Now, we know humility is, is a key, too. And humility will increase the grace in our life. But, but uh, you, if, you, if you look at a thankful person, you'll, you will see a person that is humble. Glory to God. And I'm telling you, thankfulness is the connection, is the grace connection. Amen. But I'll get into that in a little bit. But uh, let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. And in, in, uh, these are our foundational scriptures that we're looking at this month. And I love this. It says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's say that out loud. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, so there is a, a connection also uh, through uh, a connection with victory and thanksgiving. And so when you have a thankful heart, you're not too far from victory in the kingdom of God. Can I get a witness in the house today? Uh, another scripture that we're going with this month is 2 Corinthians 2.14. It says here, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. So we see here that, that being thankful always, can somebody say always? always? Always causes us to be triumphant in Christ. So I'm going to say this, if you stay thankful, no matter what pit you may be seemingly in, you're going to be out of that pit sooner than you think. Can I get a witness in the house today? So, so you could say that, 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 that it says it's the Savior, uh, uh, it's the Savior which is the, the fragrance. In other words, wherever we go, we produce a fragrance in the Spirit. And when you have a thankful heart, you, you have a fragrance of victory in your life. Victory is always what? Sweet. Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't people say victory is sweet? Amen. Victory is sweet, but, but defeat really stinks. Amen. And we don't really want to walk in defeat. We want to walk in victory. And God has not called us to be losers. None of us in here are losers. Just because we make mistakes at times and just because we encounter some issues or problems doesn't mean that we're losers. Uh, one of the tactics of the enemy is he wants us to focus on our shortcomings and past mistakes. In other words, we're not perfect yet. At times we make mistakes, we struggle. We're going through different things. But just because you're going through some stuff doesn't mean you're a loser. Amen. Amen. The enemy will want to try to make you think that way. Now let's look at this uh, verse again. It says, now thanks be unto God who always, that means through anything we go through, always, causes us to triumph in Christ. He makes manifest the Savior of his knowledge by us in every place. In other words, wherever we go, when we have a right heart attitude, it reveals the goodness and the kindness of God in our lives. Who's the biggest loser in the universe? 
Amen. You guys, I think you know my, my message here. The devil is the biggest loser in the universe. The devil was one of God's archangels, the most beautiful angel, some say, that he ever created. Some say that, that it appears because he, he was created with musical instruments in his body, that he was possibly the praise and worship leader in heaven. And so he was, he was beautiful, but he, he, caught up, he got caught up in his beauty. And he got prideful. What he didn't realize that, that his beauty was all connected to God's grace in his life. And, and whatever he could do was always, always connected to God's grace or his empowerment for, for Lucifer to survive. But Lucifer thought he could, un, he could disconnect to God. He thought that he could rise above God. And he, see, see he, he got to a place where he got envious of who God was. He got unthankful. And his unthankful attitude caused him to fall. And I'm telling you, we got to stay thankful no matter what's going on in our life. You know, because the devil's going to always try to say, look what God is putting you through. Isn't that what the devil says to us? Look, what, why is God allowing you to go through this stuff? If God was so good, then why are you going through this stuff? The devil will try to get you to start blaming God for your circumstances and your situations. No, no, God's our helper. God's doing everything he can to get us out of problems. He's not doing, it. He's not doing things to get us into problems. Is that right? We've got to get a revelation of that. We've we got to smarten up. <laughs> we got to smart up. God's not our problem. Look at your name and say, God's not your problem. But the devil, Lucifer, uh, he, he, he fell from grace. In, in Isaiah 14, 12, it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? So we see here that that. that uh, Lucifer was one of God's archangels, probably one of his highest created angels, and he fell because of pride and unthankfulness. And so, and so, uh, what? Where is the devil headed? He's headed towards hell. It says in Isaiah fourteen fifteen, "Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit." So we see here that that Lucifer his unthankful attitude, his attitude that he could do, live life better without God was a lie that he believed and he still believes that today. We cannot live without God. We got to have God in our life. God is the one that gives us the victory through every circumstance that we go through. How can we, how can we have the victory? It's because we're created in God's image. Do you know not even the angels are created in God's image? We are created in God's image. We're, that's amazing. I was thinking about that last night as I was meditating on this uh, sermon. I was thinking, man, we're created in God's image. That's why the devil hates us so much. We are, we are created like God. And then God became a man. And, and, and in a sense, Jesus became into our image. So Jesus... Uh, you know, God in the flesh identified with mankind. That's amazing. And now Jesus is, has the resurrected body and we're going to be just like Jesus. We're going to have resurrected bodies pretty soon. 
that's victory. Amen. I love what it says in Psalms 8, 4 and 5. It says, what is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor. See, we can have victory because God has crowned us with glory and honor. That's powerful. We are crowned with glory and honor. And I love this. He says that he made us a little lower than the angels. But, but sometimes when they're translating the Hebrew, uh, they will go down, you know, they don't translate exactly the way it reads. It really, uh, angels, is, it's Elohim. And, and in, in the New Living Translation, it says we're actually made a little lower than God. Hallelujah. I'm preaching today. Amen. Why? When God created mankind, mankind was God of this earth under the authority of God. And then, then Satan came and usurped that authority. Now Satan became the God of this world. Uh, this world. Amen. But, but really, mankind is created just under God. And when, we're, when, we're, when we get our new created bodies, we will be judging angels. Amen. God is preparing us to rule and reign. And, he, and we should be ruling and reigning not when we get to heaven. We should be ruling and reigning down here on earth. Am I, can I get a witness in the house today? Amen. And so we need to be ruling and reigning in earth. In Psalms 8, 4, and 5, it says, uh, I like with the New Living Translation, I'm going to read this. What are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. I'm telling you, you are crowned. We, the reason why we can praise God is because God has crowned us with glory and honor. Didn't Jesus honor us when he went to the cross? Didn't he honor mankind when he took on, you know, the sins of the man- mankind and, 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 and was made sin so that we could have the gift of righteousness? Amen. Just because you're making, you make some mistakes down here doesn't mean you lose your right standing with God. Amen. We still have right standing with God. Thank God for his grace. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 4, and 6. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love, which he has loved us, even we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Listen, the reason why we can have victory and be thankful this morning because because spiritually we're seated in heavenly places. Seated in heavenly places. What does that mean? We're seated with, with, with Jesus was raised spiritually. We were raised. Amen. And, and so if you're seated, that means you're in a place of authority. Kings normally sit. And they make decrees and they make proclamations. And so really, today, we're seated in heavenly places. What is God's God calling us to do? He's calling us to make proclamations. He's calling us to declare some things. We have the victory in Christ Jesus. We always triumph in Christ Jesus. Are you listening to me today? 
So we're seated in heavenly places. How can you be a loser if you're seated in heavenly places? The reason, why, again, why the devil's the big loser, because he lost you. Oh, I'm preaching today. I'm, I'm preaching today. You know, the devil had each one of us. He, he, we were in the domain of darkness. We were under his lordship. Uh, we were uh, under his, his domain. But you know what? He lost us. Why? Why did he try to keep us? Because he didn't. See, we took his place. See, the devil was the, was the high worship leader. He was designed to worship. We took his place. Now we're called to worship. Amen. We took his place. He got fired. You're fired. <laughs> he got fired. Amen. And we got hired. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? In other words, we're supposed to be giving God glory and honor and praise in our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? We're seated in heavenly places. And so we are the big winners because, because God has chosen us to rule and reign in this life. And we can reign over every situation, every circumstance. Do you believe that today? Because we are victorious and we have a great future. We have a great future. Some of you might be thinking, oh, what is our future? Well, well, the Bible says that I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for evil. To give you a hope and a future. So God's plans for you. Sometimes the enemy will try to make us think, I, I wonder if I'm, you're going to make it. I wonder how, you know, if, if I'm going to be able to make it through another day. You can make it through another day. You can make it through another week. Why? Because God is with you. It's one step at a time. It's, it's one faith moment at a time. You just take it one day at a time. Your faith was never designed to try. Don't think so far out into the future like I'm not too sure. No, no, just make it today. Just, just have a good attitude today. Just, just shake the, the, the negative attitude off yourself and say, today, I, this is going to be the best day of the rest of my life. Today, I'm going to give God glory. Today, I'm gonna, no matter what I'm going through, I'm going to give God some praise. You got, sometimes you've got to shake it off. When, when, Paul, uh, when Paul was on that ship and, and they were in that storm and and, and the Lord already revealed to Paul that they were going to go through some stuff. And, he, and Paul tried to warn the captain of the ship. said, listen, let's not, let's not go to Rome right now. Let's hold back because there's going to be problems. But the captain of the ship did not listen to, to, to Paul. And, and they ended up in a storm. And that storm, they all, they all almost got killed in that storm. And then they made it onto an island. And it looked like Paul really escaped the, 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 the ocean and he, he escaped dying in that, you know, not going in a shipwreck. And it looked like God's grace was on him, and it was, and it is. And then all of a sudden, he's, he's picking up sticks and trying to make a fire, and, and a viper bites Paul. Think about that. I mean, he, he just went through the most horrible time of his entire life, probably, but not really because the angel appeared to Paul and said, Paul, you're going to make it through this. And I'm going to say this to you today. No matter what you're going through, you're going to make it through. You're going to make it through whatever you're going through. And so Paul was there. And, and when he was picking up the sticks, you know what happened. A viper 
bit him, grasped and bit him, and, and, he, and, it, and it hung onto his hand or his arm. And the Bible says he just slung it off. He just shook it off into the fire. And they thought that Paul was going to die because it was a poisonous snake, and the, and, and the people in the island thought he was dying, but he didn't die. They were saying, oh, he must have been a real criminal because the ocean didn't get him, so the viper will. And they were thinking that Paul was a real criminal. And then when he shook it off, then they thought that, that, that Paul was a god. Are you hear what I'm saying today? And what do you need to do when the enemy's attacking your mind? When, when you're going through some situations in your life that's not good, you just need to learn to shake it off. You just need to learn to shake things off of you and say, I'm not, I'm not going to allow, I'm not going to allow depression or oppression to get me down. I'm not going to allow the circumstances of life to, to, to um, mess with my attitude. I'm going to continue to give God praise and worship. Amen. In Romans 8, 37, it says, yes, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all these things, you might think, what, what, all what things, pastor? Well, if you read it, it says in tribulations or in distress, in persecutions, in famines, in nakedness, in peril, in sword. That, that's, that's death. In all these things. In all these things. That's Romans 8.35. In all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Can I get a witness in the house today? So if you want to expand your capacity to receive more from God, I touched on it last week, but I didn't really dwell on it that much. But you have to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you're going to walk in greater grace, because I really believe thanksgiving is the grace connection. And if you're going to walk, because we all need the grace of God to make it down here. And I want the grace of God to be increased in my life. Then we're going to have to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. What does that mean? That means that it's not just Sunday morning we worship God. That means that we cultivate, we start, in other words, we got we to gotta start doing it more than just Sunday morning or Sunday night. We need to do it all the time. In Psalms 34, 1, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Now, this is David writing this. And his praise shall continually be in my mouth. So, so, so this is a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Bless the Lord sometimes, all times. His praise shall be seldomly. No, his praise shall be continually in my mouth. Only when good things are happening do I praise him. You praise him in all things. Why? Because God is with us. He will bring us through every trial, every storm uh, that the enemy tries to put into our lives. He will help us. Amen. You believe that today? In 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 18, it says here, rejoice always. Woo, look at that. Rejoice always, always, always. Pray without ceasing. Amen. Uh, it, I like what one person says, fear nothing and pray about everything. Have you ever heard that? Fear nothing, pray about everything. Why? If you pray, you shouldn't fear. 
You shouldn't be worried about the circumstances or the situation that you might be dealing with. And I love this. It says, in everything, in everything, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You might ask, what is the will of God for me, Pastor? Well, the number one will is to give thanks. The will of God for you is to give thanks in everything, not for everything, but in everything. You might be going through something that might not be too pleasant, but you can find something to be thankful in that thing that may not be too pleasant. Sometimes the will of God is not too pleasant. Sometimes God may call us to do some things that we may not, our flesh may not want to do. Am I preaching? Am I preaching to anybody today? Sometimes God may say, why don't you witness to your neighbor? He says, I don't feel like doing that. Or why don't you give into the offering? Day? Oh, but I'm tight on my funds. But if you, if you do what God calls you to do, there's going to be a great blessing in that. So, so, so how did Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, how did they flourish when they were under a, uh, 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 the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar, when they were in a different country, they flourished where they were at. How did they do that? Well, they did that, and I found this in Daniel 6.10, that Daniel was a praiser. Daniel was a worshiper. And we see this in Daniel 6.10. It says, when Daniel knew that the writings were signed, talk about there was a decree where he could not pray for more than 30 days to any other god but the king's god. He says he went home, and, he, and in his upper room, with his windows open towards Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day, prayed and gave thanks. Am I, am I talking to anybody today? So there was a bad report. He wasn't supposed to be praying. He, he, wasn't, he was supposed to take a sabbatical. And you can't take a sabbatical from worshiping God. And I'm telling you, and, and, and even at the, the king's edict, the, the king's uh, edict was that if you prayed to anybody but, but the king's God, uh, you would be thrown into the lion's den. Yeah. Are you hear what I'm saying today? But he, he could not stop. He said he prayed and gave thanks before his God. And notice it says this, as it was his custom since the early days. Think about that. His custom since what early days? When he first got brought into to Babylon. When, he, when, when, they, when they came out of Israel and Babylon was over Israel at that time. And the early days. So I would have to say that, that not only did Daniel practice this, but Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego practiced it too. I really believe that that's what brought them into a, 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 a good place under Babylonian rulership. And they ruled like kings under Babylonian rulership. And we might be in a Babylonian system. Maybe the economy is not that good, but we don't have to partake of the bad economy. We have a heavenly economy. I'm preaching today. And God can work through in a heavenly economy system. Am I preaching today? I mean, I'm talking, I mean, I mean, I, I'm looking over here at some people at, you know, Letty and Tony and, uh, they, I have to give, they have to give some testimonies, glory to God. And, and Tony has got a, I hope he doesn't mind, got a, got a raise and uh, got a promotion on his job. And he didn't even put in for it. Amen. 
She did. Amen. Amen. And so, and so God is doing stuff. Uh, her daughter just, uh, Letty's daughter just got this job that she was believing for. Uh, I'm looking at Michael. He's in his third best job of his life. Amen. Since he's been here. And I'm telling you, he's, he's being blessed. Now, don't be asking them for a loan. Amen. <laughs> what am I saying? I'm saying that God can prosper us even though it looks bad out here. Even though it looks bad, God can still prosper. He prospers. He prospered Daniel. He prospered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <laughs> Daniel 1, 19 and 20. It says, Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, which was their original names, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them. And he found them ten times better than all the magicians, and all the astrologers, who were in all his realm. Notice that. So what did God do? He, the, the grace increased. The grace increased. In other words, the more thankful for you are, the more grace of God you're going to walk in. The less thankful we are, I would have to make, I'm going to make a statement, the less grace we're going to see in, in our lives. And if we become ungrateful, we're really not going to see too much grace in our life. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you today? So we see here that they were ten times better than the world. God wants to make his people ten times greater than the world. Can I get a witness in the house today? And when we, I'm telling you, it it says in Romans 1, it said that the reason why some of these people turned away from God is because they had an unthankful heart. In Romans 1, it talked about people that, that knew God but they didn't recognize God as being God and they were unthankful in their hearts. Anytime the enemy starts trying to sow unthankfulness in us, it causes us to go away from God. Oh, I'm preaching today. I'm preaching today. But anytime we start thanking God, giving God praise, that's, that's the best thing you can do to get the wisdom of God, to get the grace of God in your life. And I don't know about you, but I want to be precious in God's sight. How many people want to be precious in God's sight? You know, uh, you know, I know God loves everybody. You know, it's very clear. He's not a respecter of persons. But I believe that there are some people that are closer to God than others. And, you, and I can bear that out because, remember Jesus? He would, he would have his three inner circle disciples. And wouldn't he call his three inner circle disciples? Peter, and John and James, right? And they were his inner circle disciples. They were closer than the other nine. And, and they got privy. privy. They, they were uh, with Jesus in some of the most amazing miracles that Jesus performed. And, and they were close to Jesus. Uh, uh, they, were, they were close. So I believe that we can be close to God. And I believe the closer we get to God, the more precious we become in God's sight. And this bears out in Daniel 10, 11. In Daniel 10, 11, you know, Daniel was praying uh, for 21 days to receive an answer from God. Thus, where we get the 21 day of fasting. And it says, and, and the man said to me, or, or the angel said to Daniel, you are very precious to God. That was the first thing the angel said. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I have been sent to you. 
When he said to this to me, I stood up and still trembling. So we see here that Daniel, uh, an angel came to Daniel and said, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Another translation said, you are beloved of God. Why? Because Daniel was a worshiper. I'm telling you, if you're a prayer, you've got to be a worshiper. Because the Bible says, enter his gates with and his courts with. So you, 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 if you are a person that prays, you need to be a person that, that gives thanks. Are you hear what I'm saying today? Amen. So let's look at this. And uh, I'm telling you, this is powerful. Let's look at uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 20. And it says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea of Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Powerful, powerful revelation. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. So we see here that, that Peter, it, it seemed as if he had a direct line to God. That God gave him revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. That he is the Savior of the world. That he's the one that, that the prophets talked about. Glory to God. And so he had, he had a revelation from God that, and Jesus said, upon this rock, what rock? The truth that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's the rock. And if you believe that Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you're going to be a rock too. Because, because Jesus called him Petrus, Peter, and upon this rock. So Jesus said that is revealed revelation. So Peter was probably feeling pretty good about himself. And he was feeling pretty good. And sometimes when you have a win, you got to be very careful. You don't let pride come in. And sometimes when you have a great win, sometimes you get the big head. And so we're going to read down here. Let's read down and see what happens. And then it says in Matthew 6, 21, 23, it says, From this time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised on the third day. So now Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be, he's trying to prepare his disciples that he's going to the cross, that he's going to be crucified, that he's going to go through all types of, of bad things that's going to happen to him. But, and, and then Peter took him aside. Peter took him aside. Because, you know, he just had a win, heard from the Lord, and Peter took him aside and said, said, Jesus, come here, let me talk to you. And he said, and he, then he says to Jesus, far be it from you, Lord, that this shall happen to you. And this is interesting. Jesus' response was one of the strongest responses that he ever given to a disciple. Yeah. It was one of his strongest responses. He said, he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are not mindful of the things of God, 
but of the things of men. Amen. This is important because, because Jesus really rebuked Peter and he said it out loud. I believe all the disciples heard this. And Peter probably like, you know, was probably drawn, you know, stepped back from that rebuke. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever denies himself, uh, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So we see here that Jesus was saying that you can't be living your life for yourself. In a sense, Peter was saying uh, to Jesus, listen, you don't need to go through this torment. You don't need to go through this. In other words, you need to live down here. You don't need to do God's will. In a sense, Peter was saying that. And Jesus rebuked him so sternly. You know, it says here in, in the Young's literal translation, uh, 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 Peter said, and I've taken him aside. Peter began to rebuke him, saying, Be kind to thyself. This shall not be to thee. Be kind to yourself. In another place, it says in the GNV translation, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Master, pity thyself. This shall not be unto thee. So we see here that, that Jesus rebuked him so sternly, and Peter was saying, Pity thyself. I'm going to say this, self-pity will bring you down. Self-pity will take the grace of God from our lives. Us focusing on self. And I believe that Jesus might have been already being, being tempted with the feelings of self-pity. And when Peter chimed in and said, listen, you need to look out for yourself in a sense. You need to pity yourself. You don't need to go to the cross. I believe that the enemy was working on Jesus to, to be, feel sorry for himself. And Jesus wheeled around and he could not allow that thought for a second. And he had to say, get behind me, Satan. Because the enemy will try to get us feeling sorry for ourselves when we're going through a trial, when we're going through a tribulation. He's going to try to make us think, oh, poor self, poor us. Uh, you know, it, it's the, it, it, I'm probably the only one going through it. No, many people are going through stuff. Many people are suffering. And so we see that Jesus... Jesus uh, was not, uh, not going to allow that to happen to him. Amen. Jesus was not going to allow self-pity to come into his life. I'm going to say this, that, that, that Jesus, he, he suffered like a man. He, 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 he had feelings. Some people think Jesus was Teflon. He, nothing bothered him. But no, Jesus, Jesus was 100% man and 100% God. In Hebrews 4.15, bearing out the fact that he may have been being tempted with self-pity, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we yet without sin. Could Jesus have been tempted with self-pity? Yes. I would believe that's one of the, that couldn't be one of the greatest sins, self-pity. You say, what? Feeling sorry for? Yes, because that opens the door to every other sin. Self-pity, thinking about yourself. We're not, we're not called to think about ourselves. and it, It's called self-preservation, protecting ourselves. Amen. No, we're called to protect others. 
We're called to look out for others. We're, we're, we're called to exalt Jesus. We're not called to exalt ourselves. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? In the New Living Translation, it says the high, this high priest uh, of our understanding and weaknesses, talking about Jesus, for he faced all of the same testings that we do, yet he, without sin. He did not sin. So, so I believe that he was possibly dealing with already feelings of self-pity when Peter, one of his closest disciples, said, you don't have to go through this. You don't have to do the will of God. You don't have to do that. No, no, no. There was a greater plan. There was a greater reason behind it. I really believe this, that Jesus didn't just go to the cross just because he knew he was going to be exalted on high and sit at the right hand. That wasn't the main reason why Jesus, it wasn't that reward. He was thinking about us. In other words, if Jesus did not go to the cross, we will all be trapped in our sins. And, you know, he thought about his mother. And he said, no, she can't be trapped in her sins. He thought about his disciples that he loved. He went to the cross not for himself. He went to the cross for us. Is that amazing? He, why? Listen, heaven went bankrupt to get us. Jesus, are you hearing what I'm saying? Jesus left heaven and Jesus died on that cross that day. He went bankrupt to get us so that we could have a relationship with the Father like Him. So, so we know this, that Jesus may have been dealing with this because in the Garden of Gethsemane in Mark 14, He was praying that perhaps this cup could pass Him up. Perhaps God could get, do another way that God could... That, that God could redeem mankind another way, uh, you know, that he didn't have to maybe go through the, the cross. And I'm going to say this to you this morning, no cross, no crown. There's going to be a cross that each one of us is going to have to pick up. There's going to be things that each one of us is going to have to do in this life. There's going to be things that we don't want to do, but we need to do because it's, it's for the kingdom of God. There's going to, you know, you, sometimes you, you're going to have to lay down your lives. I'm telling you, each day that, that, that gentlemen, that you get up every morning and even ladies at work, you're working, you're, you're sacrificing, you're giving to your families. You're, you may be at work, right? You may not want to work. You may not want to go to work, but you do it for sacrifice. You do it for, for your families. And we, we live this life not for ourselves. We don't look out for ourselves. No, we look out for others and we worship and we love God more than ourselves. Amen. The Bible says in the end days, men and women will be lovers of themselves. No, no we are lovers of God. We love God. We, you know, it's not easy getting up every Sunday morning, getting ready, coming out to church. Amen. It's cold outside. But you know what? The Bible says those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they will be strong. They will bear good fruit in old age as you're planted in the house of the Lord. Glory to God. So you can't afford, you can't afford a spirit of self-pity. You can't afford to feel sorry for yourselves. No Christian should ever feel sorry for themselves. Why? Because your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now let's look at the response again that Jesus says down in the Amplified. Jesus said, 
he turned, he, but Jesus turned away from Peter, uh, turned away from Peter and said to him, get behind me, Satan. You are in my way, an offense and a hindrance and a snare to me. For you are minding what partakes, not of the nature or quality of God, but of men. This is the Amplified. In the New Living Translation, Peter says, he tur- he, Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from human point of view, not from God's. So I'm going to say this self-pity is a dangerous trap to your faith. Self-pity is a dangerous trap to the grace that God wants to put on your life. Self-pity is a dangerous trap, amen, that you can't afford to walk in. You can't afford to feel sorry for yourself. You can't afford just to look at your own weaknesses and say, oh, poor me, poor me, poor me. No, no, God has graced you. He has blessed you. You have more going for you than you think. Can I get a witness in the house today? So, so I'm telling you, uh, 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 self-pity and thankfulness cannot reside on the same plane. If you're in self-pity and feel sorry for yourself, you definitely aren't going to be thankful. And if you're thankful, you're not going to be feeling sorry for yourself. Amen? And so and they, can't, they, can't, they can't be on the same plane. So, so, so you've got to get out of un, uh, 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 self-pity. You've got to get, because self-pity and unthankfulness go hand in hand. And there's no grace in that. But, but I'm going to say this. The grace is multiplied when we, when we recognize the biggest and the greatness of God. You know, Jesus did not go, he didn't, he didn't deserve to go to the cross. He didn't deserve to get a crown of thorns on his head. He didn't deserve to have his beard plucked out. He didn't deserve to be spit on. But he did that all for us. And it was the God's grace that enabled him to do that. He stayed humble under the mighty hand of God. And God brought Jesus through that trial in his life. And God will bring, that, that, uh, bring you through your trials in your life. What's the problem? It's how we think. It's how you think about things. In other words, is the glass, you get a glass of water. And is that glass half full or is it half empty? And, and if you are a positive person... That glass is half full. If you're a negative person, that glass is half empty. And I'm going to say this. We need to start looking at life in a different way. And when, we, when our mind is in, in the right place, then we're going to be seeing good in everything that we go through. I like what Philippians 4.8 says. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, Whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, report. If there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So what do we meditate on? All the good things that God has done for us, all the good things that God is doing for us, and all the good things that God is going to do for us. We meditate on the good things. And when you meditate on the good things, it's going to produce thankfulness In your heart. And when you have a thankful heart, you're going to expand the capacity of God's grace in your life where God can do more and more for you. Did you receive it this morning? 
praise God. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Father, I just thank you for your mercies and your goodness today. I thank you, Father God, that we're coming out of feeling sorry for ourselves. We're coming out of self-pity. We're coming into a heart of thankfulness. And Father, we all need your grace. We need your grace to live this life. And we need your grace to increase in our lives. And Father, I thank you as we develop a lifestyle of thanksgiving, your grace will abound in our lives. And we will be like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. We'll be like Daniel. We'll be ten times greater than the world. Father, I just thank you for the people here in this audience and those that are watching online. And perhaps uh, you may be here today and or listening and you may never have given your life to Jesus. Well, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You may not have another chance. So I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you, can, and you can invite Jesus in by praying this simple prayer after me. Just say, dear God, I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you were raised from the dead for my justification. Today, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. And Heavenly Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message. For more information, visit us at exceedlifechurch.org.